Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction fantasy and horror podcast episode 464, recorded on Sunday the 4th of December 2022 at 23.07.51. I've got to warn you, Right off the bat, that this is going to be a longer show than usual. It feels like it has been a long time since the last episode. It has not, I checked. But this episode was supposed to happen right after the last episode. I was supposed to do three in a row. I didn't do that. So in the intervening days, I have added more items to this episode. Hence, it's going to be a bit longer. Okay, we're in the pre-show section. I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to make those sections a little different by having a pre-show and after-show what I'm going to coin an amused set. That's like how an amused bush is a chef's signature pre-course treat, but for the head. I'm not going to make any claims that anything I actually say will be funny, because telling people to expect a funny story before telling them the story never works out well. Bloody ingrate audiences. Ugh. Let's ease into this by telling you about my car, which isn't amusing. Not intentionally, anyway. It barely passed its MOT. And after a multitude of expensive repairs, the Millennium Falcon is still coming apart at the seams. As well as the many hilariously called advisories. That's what it actually says on the MOT slip that you get nowadays, the rear signal light decided to randomly fail because my lamp's glass housing makes a really excellent swimming pool. I've drained it, but a day later it was up to its old tricks. If it's not car bills, though it's some other kind of rip-off, rip-off energy bills... And, by the way, the continuing hassles caused by an over-energy engineer repeatedly failing to turn up to their appointments at Castle Royenstein or some other UK-based rip-off scam or utter incompetence that we in the UK have just become accustomed to. It's the way things are here. And yes... Ripoff UK, or indeed Scam UK, could and should be the name of a hardcore 80s punk band, which is my gift to you if you are an anarchist time traveller, or nafsters. There you go, I've invented another word, another royism, if you will, and there's another one. Yeah, so if you're looking for a retro band name... Rip-Off UK or Scam UK. Just pay me royalties. 
credit me when you're famous and support me and the show via the link at the website at roymator.com, R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. I did think when I was writing this down that it would be amusing, but I realised that I'm not really amused by anything I've written down here. Just irritated. Like this next item about poop bins. Stand by for irony. Earlier today, I stepped in dog mess. That was left. Deposited, if you will, right in front of a poop bin. And let me tell you, there was a lot of it. I don't know what that dog was eating. Maybe another dog? Maybe it was a giant dog that ate another dog? Or it was a dinosaur or something? Also, why are UK poop bins red? Like post boxes. That's just asking for trouble. They're traps waiting for some bloody magoo like me to post something inside them. Let's diverge from the less than amusing anecdotes to some housekeeping now. I'd like you to expect fewer tweets from me. I'd like you to... What am I saying? I mean, expect fewer tweets from me. It is nothing to do with that totally abysmal git Elon Musk. Just my disenchantment with social media in general. I, in fact, only joined Twitter in 2010 to connect with other geeks. That engagement, as you can quite clearly see from my Twitter feed, never amounted to much. Besides, what is the point of wasting one's words on someone else's microblogging platform when you can use them in your own podcast. So that's what I'm doing. Hence, probably, the rather longer show tonight. Because instead of tweeting, I've made my show notes longer. Finally, in the pre-show section, and this is relevant to the show, I was haunted by a ghost. (laughs) Last Tuesday, between... 0100 and 0600, I was haunted by a presence. It came into my room, fussed over the bedding, sat for a bit, warming the mattress, and then it left. I was half asleep until it left. Then I awoke rather sharpish, as you can well imagine. It was probably only a waking dream. I think that's what you call them, isn't it? Some kind of dream that you have on the cusp of waking when you have that sleep paralysis thingamadoodle. I was, you see, totally buggered from just taping a pod. That was last Tuesday, wasn't it? Tuesday very early in the morning. Unless... Of course, and this is the alternative explanation, the maniac with the long fingernails who lives in my attic. This is not a new thing. Please refer to previous pods. Has suddenly become helpful. Given tonight's selection of reviews, this last pre-show item is highly relevant 
as you are about to hear, it is the perfect segue, so enjoy, enjoy. Let us first talk about Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. This is something I have been looking forward to for quite some time, so I dove into the first episode, in which Guillermo del Toro strikes a deliberate Hitchcockian pose, reminding me strongly also of Jordan Peele doing a Rod Serling at the beginning of his 2019 The Twilight Zone show, as he introduces his 2022 TV horror anthology series. Guillermo explains that a cabinet of curiosities was once a rich gentleman's conversation piece, and then the story starts. The first episode of the anthology is a story about a repellent, miserable, racist bellend who makes a precarious living selling off the contents of abandoned storage units. The particular storage unit in question once belonged to a Nazi occultist who sacrificed his sister to entrap a demon hidden in a secret chamber. The protagonist awakens the hungry demon through an act of gross clumsiness and is consumed, screaming, after a woman he previously racially abused refuses to help him escape the locked warehouse. This first story reminded me vaguely, in terms of the grots, the low lifery, and the creeping dread of Carl Edward Wagner's Where the Summer Ends. That is a reference I've used far too often, but it's a story that I really like. The end, twist, was, however, limp, and added nothing to the story other than satisfying my need to see the racist protagonist get his well-deserved comeuppance. The purpose of that first episode and the anthology, therefore, one assumes isn't clever storytelling at all, but simply as a vehicle for the well-executed Grand Guignol end piece, especially given Del Toro's taste for grotesquerie and his abilities as a graphic artist. And that is my spoiler-ridden review of Guillermo Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, Episode 1. I don't think that this is for me, while I enjoy the aforesaid, well-executed, spectacular end piece, I need to be enthralled by the story as well. And this was too simple, too on the nose. Which is a pity, it had all the ingredients there to be something more, but I think it failed in the writing. The acting was good, the effects were good, the look of the thing was good, the art direction was good. It had the ingredients of something very interesting. Something in terms of a satisfying storyline. 
like that made for oh what was Guillermo del Toro's vampire series that I oh I talked about that endlessly in this pod and I've forgotten about it the strain that's it the strain yes this wasn't quite that another thing that I watched and I haven't reviewed before was The Devil's Hour. This is an Amazon Prime video thriller starring Peter Capaldi, who is in no way playing Doctor Who, despite the fact that he does play someone who can time travel, regenerate, and has the power of precognition. No, I'm not joking. (laughs) And it's also produced by ex-New Who showrunner Stephen Moffat. In The Devil's Hour, Peter Capaldi's Gideon Shepard groundhog days his way through each life, violently righting wrongs, Though fans of The Good Doctor should note that he doesn't have much screen time. The story is actually more focused on a mother with a strangely unfeeling child who appears to also have this looping ability, though for her it manifests as particularly disturbing spells of deja vu. The ending I found was pah. Yeah, I know. However, I enjoyed the miniseries, though not nearly as much as ITV's The Sister, which starred Russell Tovey, another actor with Whoish cred. He's Alonzo on Doctor Who, you know, the spaceship Titanic, what do you call it, one of the officers on that ship. In a way, it is refreshing to see an ex-Doctor playing two type. And Capaldi is very, very good at playing a mysterious and sinister weirdo. Because the general habit is to play against type. For example, David Tennant in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire from 2005 as nasty little Barty Crouch Jr. And as the titular character in the Royal Shakespeare's Company, Richard II in 2013, Billy Piper and Matt Smith... In Secret Diary of a Cool Girl, I could go on. Although, now that Peter Capaldi has already played a Who-like character twice, he, of course, played Gaius Greaves, the thinker in The Suicide Squad last year, and now he's played this guy, Gideon Shepard, I'm hoping he'll do something completely different, so... I do wonder what he'll do next. And that's the Devil's Hour. It was okay, but like I said, not a patch on The Sister. Which you can find on ITV? Yeah, ITV. And I have reviewed it before. The Walking Dead. I have watched every single episode of The Walking Dead since it began in 2010. And now that I have seen the final episode of the main show, I'm sad, but I'm also relieved to say goodbye. It seemed to drag on forever. 
I am aware of the whole The Walking Dead universe of spin-offs already made and in the making, but I have no more than cursory interest in those series. With the main show ending, so has my time invested in this world, and so I'll bid goodbye to the whole cast and wish them well. I do think it ended where it needed to end. Yeah, there are some clips of what's going to come next. Michonne will meet Rick again. But I no longer care. Unless it's going to be incredibly different and there's a cure for the zombie plague, which I don't think will happen according to what I've read on the internet. So, yeah, I've invested enough time. Time for something else. Andor has also just finished. I enjoyed the series, like most people did. Very good series. And I am looking forward to the second season. The high point was definitely Luthan Real's Fondor Hallcraft, armed with a giant two-bladed red lightsaber. I think Rael's a reformed Sith. Or maybe an unreformed Sith playing the long game. I don't think anyone's thought of that yet. What a bastard. Finally, this week for the new stuff that I haven't talked about before. Thus is in the title of this episode, Truth Seekers. Truth Seekers is a delightfully demented 2020 horror comedy set in the UK, produced by Sony Pictures Television and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's Stolen Picture, and it is available on Amazon Prime Video. Truth Seekers is about an amateur ghost hunter slash 5G installer Gus Roberts, played by Nick Frost, and his extremely reluctant new partner, suspiciously named Elton John, played by Samson Kao. The tension cranks up when they encounter a haunted young woman and an insane cult leader's conspiracy. The dog scene, one of the earlier episodes, if not the first episode, genuinely did horrify me. Though, I did love the mystery machine-like van. It's very Scooby-Doo-ish. It did make me look up what model van that was. It was a Mercedes older van before the Sprinter. Nice snub nose thing. It doesn't really matter, but it was a character in this. I thought Simon Pegg was largely surplus to requirements, sorry Simon, though he did a bit of his signature pratfall running towards the end, but I can understand why (laughs) Nick Frost would want Simon Pegg to be in this. They're mates, and they own that production company together. The show has a very Edgar Wright-influenced plot and look, with a bit of Spaced and Doctor Who thrown in. If you like this podcast, if you're a fan of this podcast, you're probably going to like this like I did. Truth Seekers was sadly cancelled after one season, but it's mostly tied up at the end, 
So enjoy it. Rick and Morty. I caught up with the latest Rick and Morty Season 6 on Channel 4. It is as good as it ever was, and I'm estimating it's going to run and run at least as much as Futurama did. I don't think it's going to run as long as The Simpsons, but at least as long as Futurama. I think the investment in time and energy to create the show is probably quite a lot. The writing seems incredibly complex. I'm not sure that I could write something that complicated. I don't know what kind of writing room they've got, who's in that room. Maybe it's staffed by aliens, but the scripts are incredible, as well they should be, given the fact we're talking about a pair of dimension jumpers. Watching Rick and Morty reminded me of Back to the Future, which just so happens to be available on the rebranded ITVX. So I'm currently re-re-re-watching the Back to the Future trilogy. In actual fact, just before starting the recording of this pod, I was about half an hour into the third movie. The Back to the Future films are as good as I remember them. But man, I forgot how edgy 80s humour could be. (laughs) And it's amazing that these films were aimed at kids. Also, Back to the Future 2, set in the 80s and also in 2015. Where's my flying car? I'm sure others have commented on this endlessly. But I don't watch Back to the Future every year, and it has been several years since I last saw it. I don't know if it was before 2015 or after 2015, but yeah, that did strike me as a bit annoying that that was set in 2015. We're not really in the future at all now. Maybe they should have jumped to a dimension that had the plague. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that is it for the reviews this week. Let us ramble. Let us ramble about geek stuff now. You're going to find this next item extremely ironic, given my predisposition to spoil every review that I talk about in this show. Let us talk about the hell of trying to avoid spoilers as a new Doctor Who Companion is announced. I tried to avoid it, but the spoilers were and are coming on thick and fast from the Beeb, which is something I've always hated about new and even old Doctor Who. They were always shoving out all this publicity and really spoiling the show before they actually broadcast it. I already know more than I want to know about Shooty's companion. I could talk about it now, but for a change, I'll spare you the pain of spoilers. Because like I said, I enjoy New Who. Fresh and unadulterated by spoilers. Let's talk about Doctor Who again. (laughs) Doctor Who and Disney 
Disney Plus will distribute Doctor Who outside the UK, and the series will be produced by Bad Wolf, backed by Sony, and BBC Studios production in exchange for some of that big Disney money. The source for that was Television Business International. I also read an iNews article that said a press release said that the BBC and Disney will have a shared creative vision and the show will be transformed into a global franchise while remaining quintessentially British. Even taking into account Bob Iger's return and assuming Disney, Star Wars, Marvel and now Doctor Who are organisationally and financially in safe hands after Bob Kavek got the boot, who knows what else the future may hold? What does it mean for content? Really? I mean, are Disney going to stamp their own brand and values on the series? They have already said that they will have creative input. And though Disney are generally good with inclusivity, not, of course, historically, but more recently, I can't help wondering if the typically intensive political Doctor Who storylines will survive the need to sell in every market around the world. And that's political in Old Who and New Who. I don't know. Is Doctor Who seen in China? What happens if they have a whole episode about democracy? How would that work out? Not that they need to, because they're always having episodes about genocides. Yeah, I don't know. Also, will there be ghastly Disney slash Marvel slash Star Wars slash Doctor crossovers? I am a fan of all those franchises separately, so I really hope not. Bigger budgets are welcome, mostly, unless it means the budgets are so big that the pay-off has to also be big, and then the whole thing's designed by committee. But generally, if things are working well, having more money to play with is good. Also good is having access to a pool of actors who are actually American, when genuine American accents are required, that would be quite refreshing. Uh, instead of having some British actor put on a diabolical American accent, which has happened in New Who and Old Who. Countering that, though, there is also the fact that Disney is big. Too big. I think they own too much through their many, many acquisitions of which the aforesaid mentioned Marvel, Star Wars, Doctor Who are but a few. Now, Disney sounds like a giant, unwieldy, anti-competitive monopoly. Is that a view you hold? Please, let me know. I'd like a conversation about this. Let's move on to some things vanilla that I have watched. The Walk-In. Possibly, I watched this about a month ago. 
It is an ITV drama. ITV was still ITV back then, not ITVX. What is it about the X? Never mind. About uh, the fall of a UK neo-Nazi terrorist group who were brought down through a whistleblower. I thought the walk-in was fascinating stuff and shows what civilian groups like Hope Not Hate can do to stop these wannabe potential terrorists. Also on Non-Geek TV, I watched the BBC's SAS Rogue Heroes, which, after a little digging on my part, took some liberties with the true story, but not as much as I thought it would. The general consensus is it is reasonably accurate. The soundtrack largely seemed to be ACDC, which I love. I love ACDC, and I do understand that they were going for a Mad Max slash Inglorious Bastards vibe, being that it's in the desert, and it's very violent, and it's about blowing away Nazis. But I don't think it worked as a soundtrack. It just kept throwing me out of the drama, which was, in any case, set during World War II. Not that soundtracks that are out of time can't work, but in this case I felt it didn't work. Being interested in exploration, I was however impressed by one of the side characters, Long Range Desert Group, and Special Air Service Navigator Mike Sadler. There is a video of him being interviewed by the actor who played him, some guy from Game of Thrones. You can find that on YouTube. Just Google the guy's name, Mike Sadler. Yeah, it's a fascinating story. The guy seems to have god-level navigation skills, and he walked out of a desert. As for the show itself, yeah, it's okay. There was a documentary, I can't remember when, where, or what it was called, all about the SAS's formation. If you're into that military stuff, find that instead. I had little else to watch, which is why I ended up watching it. Usually, I wouldn't be into the war stuff. Well, not really. Sort of. Maybe. I don't know. I'm a bloke. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next non-geek media I consumed, and that is Granite Harbour. I watched that on BBC iPlayer. It is about a Jamaican military police officer seconded to the Aberdeen murder police. It's your average fish-out-of-water cop shop fare, but it was only three episodes long, and it passed the time. And that's Granite Harbour. Next, in the ramble, let's talk the big tech death watch. (laughs) I have been, as I said before, playing my banjo lady while watching Twitter, Meta, and Amazon fire thousands Theranos's Elizabeth Holmes got 11 years. And given Holmes's sentencing, things are not looking good for FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried. It's 
all falling to bits. Nero hasn't gotten anything on me. But now that the right-wing nuts are coming back to Twitter, should I still use Twitter? My answer is yes, because quite apart from my limited use of the platform lately, the hilarity of Elon Musk's continual cock-ups, like, for example, variously coloured and types of verification symbols, what the hell's that about, and his very, very funny sucking up to Tim Cook at Apple, I can't think of a better way to consistently be a thorn in the side of Nazis and Elon fanboys than by stubbornly staying on. (laughs) Ah, it is entertainment a minute. Ah, I think I heard something about, was it something about the Twitter building lacking the security staff or the card-reading apparatus to let people into the building when Elon had summoned them or something. It's very funny. Anyway, moving on to something else. Space. The final front... No, that's Artemis 1. Artemis 1, the uncrewed flight test of the space launch system, SLS, carrying the Orion spacecraft, which eventually is planned to go around the moon, or already has by the time I'm talking about this, gone around the moon, was successfully launched quite recently. You can watch the final 10-second countdown in the show notes. Artemis 1 is a test flight. Artemis 2 will also be a test flight, but crude in 2023, but the one we're waiting for, the proper one, Artemis 3, plans to land the first woman, bloody well last, and the next man on the moon when they return in 2025. What the hell happened to space exploration? What happened? We were on the moon so long ago. Oh, I was a baby at the time. And then what happened for the next 50 years? God knows. But anyway, we are slowly going out there again. And yeah, watch the last 10 seconds and the launch from my show notes. It's exciting stuff. FIFA. FIFA's gone balmy. (laughs) Qatar current host of the World Cup, has a less than stellar record on human rights and the treatment of migrant workers who built the infrastructure for the World Cup, many of them my fellow Desai. Stung by a wave of criticism, the head of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, appropriately named, if I think that means what it means, but I might be completely wrong, accused Europe of hypocrisy for condemning Qatar, pointing out the many migrants who died and continue to die trying to reach Europe. This is, of course, true, but this is, of course, also an utterly flawed argument. Europe and the UK definitely do have an appalling record in their attitude to and treatment of migrants, but that doesn't in any way excuse Qatar, whatsoever. 
All I can say is thank God I don't watch the footy. And that is it for my ramble. That is it for my reviews of geek stuff. That is it for this episode of Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show. We're in the after show section. I only have one thing left to say, and that is an item entitled Dad's Igor Stick. Dad, my father, who has a very minor hip and knee problem, believe me, my knees are much worse than his, was offered the only stick available by his physiotherapist. It was the only one that they had in the office. My father is not a tall man, but he is boomer height average. So, yeah, people are getting taller. He's not that tall, but he's not that short either. But the stick he was given, the therapeutic cane, was a stick for hobbits. (laughs) It was really, really short, which is why I've entitled this item Dad's Igor Stick, because it could be Igor's absurdly tiny stick from Young Frankenstein. Do you remember that stick that Marty Feldman gives Gene Wilder to walk this way (laughs) down the stairs? Has to crouch down with this tiny little stick. (laughs) Yeah, it was a completely useless walking stick. It was like three foot tall. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't even that. It was really, really short. It was hanging on a hook in the hall, and it's just ridiculous. Ah, oh, I'm still laughing. I'm used to it. Did that work? Ah, oh, I'm not sure. This was slightly longer than usual. The next one should be another revisit, rewatch, review of a classic Doctor Who story. Please join me for that. Until then, the show is produced, presented, and edited by me. Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or enemy. Or mortal enemy. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. Everyone needs at least one mortal enemy. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction fantasy and horror podcast, episode 464, recorded on Sunday, the 4th of December 2022, and the time at the end of the show is exactly 0000000 on Monday the 5th of December 2022. Not long now until Christmas. Ah, it's that time of the year again. I have mixed thoughts on the matter, as I always do. I think Christmas is absolutely fantastic. It's other people who spoil it. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. 
and bye bye for now. Bye.